Welcome to the University of Coruscant. As part of your enrollment here, you have access to the attached Holonet recording. You've selected a lecture by Dr. Sonny Ravencourt on Ancient Sith. You've selected a lecture by Dr. Sonny Ravencourt on Darth Treya. If you have any questions about this lecture or wish to contact us, please visit universityofcoruscant.com. Hello, students. It's me. <sighs> Famous holodrama star Dr. Ravencourt. Honorary doctorate. Not now, Todd. I'm brooding. I really thought this movie would be my ticket back into the limelight, but I think it's fair to say that we are beyond hope at this point. Don't say that, sir. Todd, take a look around you. We are shooting this hollow in a junkyard that is supposed to look like Hoth. There's a family of Womprats in my trailer that are clearly smarter than we are because you and I are now sharing a bed. They're shrewd negotiators, sir. I swear if you say that one more time. And finally, we are shooting a movie about sentient killer Tauntauns, and I haven't seen a single Tauntaun on this Sith Forsaken set. No, you won't see the Tauntauns. Not until the end, at least. <laughs> oh boy. Who are you supposed to be? I'm the Tauntaun Master. I created all the Tauntauns. Well, that's funny, because I don't see any Tauntauns. I'm in a holodrama about Tauntauns, talking with the Tauntaun Master, and I haven't seen a single Tauntaun. That's because I work in HGI, holographic images. I individually design and put them all in later, in post-production. I spent 16 years living with the Tauntauns, learning how they move, how they think. There isn't a single thing I don't know about Tauntauns. 20 credits says you're wrong. Try me. Is that real Tauntaun they're serving in the lunch line? I'm giving you these credits under protest. Good day, sir! Thanks for playing! Good luck with all the fake Tauntauns! Fauntauns! That's what I'm calling them now! Good one, sir. Well, that actually improved my mood considerably. Might as well make a few creds while I'm at it. Let's do a lecture and build the university. What happens if you believe in something? I mean, really believe. You commit fully, but the closer you get to the truth, the more you realize that it's further away than you thought. So you push a little harder and it gets further away. So you push yourself more and more and more and each time breaking off a little more of yourself to try to reach that understanding. How long will you go? How much of yourself can you sacrifice in order to get to a goal that you believe is there? And then right at the end, when you finally see the truth, you realize that the truth is that everything you believe is a lie. This is the story of Darth Treya. Like many Darksiders, Treya was originally a Jedi, and her name wasn't Treya, it was Kreya. Kreya was a historian, believe it or not, and a teacher. Kind of gives hope for all of us that we just might have some hidden powers inside of us. I mean, I'm a historian and a teacher. I'm just saying. Anyways, where was I? Kreya, not yet Treya. 
So Kreia is a Jedi historian who rises to the rank of master. She doesn't do it with a lightsaber, but with a question. Actually, a lot of questions, and big questions too. Kreia found that she was able to contemplate the mysteries of the universe more effectively if she used only her Force sense and excluded the physical connection to the world. In other words, she closed her eyes and meditated, looking for answers to all the tough questions. Is a Jedi still a Jedi if she can't feel the Force? If a tree falls on Endor but no Ewoks are around, does it make a sound? Was that Tauntaun surprise really made from Tauntaun? Cran knew that the mysteries of the galaxy were out there, and she pushed herself to find them. She spent so long meditating that her eyes atrophied. She abandoned her sight without even a second thought. Have you ever tried that hard at something? Kreia didn't just ask herself these questions, she asked them of her students, pushed them to look deeper underneath what they could see and hear, challenged them to look for greater truths. The other Jedi Masters felt that she was antiquated in her methods, that she was missing the point. Her students, however, loved it. Everybody has those professors that just make your mind tick, and I assume for 80 to 85% of you, uh, that's me. Just a rough estimate, of course. One of her students was particularly interested in her search for truth. He was also determined that there were greater secrets, hidden underneath what was being taught by the other professors. You will likely have heard of him. His name was Revan. And although Kreia wasn't Revan's only teacher, Kreia did take most of the blame when Revan turned to the dark side and took many of Kreia's other students with him. The Jedi Order viewed Kreia's teachings as a failure, and worse, dangerous. She was cast out. Kreia didn't really know what to do at this point. Her search for knowledge was all that she had, but it had failed her. She wondered if maybe the student was the master, so she began to retrace Revan's footsteps, reaching out to listen to the Force, and simply went where it told her to go. She went to Malachor V and found Revan's former stronghold, the Treyas Academy. There, she discovered the ancient Sith manuscripts, which kinda broke her mind. Now, I've been doing a disservice to you, and I am sorry. I joke around a lot because that's who I am, but I have not adequately prepared you for a conversation about what Kreia is about to believe. Kreia is told that the galaxy is an aimless and directionless place that simply exists, and everyone accepts this. But those with the Force are told that this is not the case, that there is a fate, that there is a direction. But then, those with the Force are made to live in the universe and not understand it. In short, anyone with the Force is made to live a lie. In a very broad sense, this is existentialism. And I cannot express enough that we are being very cursory about all of this. Existentialism puts the freedom of choice of a human ahead of everything else, and views the battle of life and death as the pinnacle of those types of choices, with consequences to your action. Now, contrast that with the Force, which says that we're all going to put the Force users into two nice little piles, the light side over here and the dark side over here. And oh, by the way, all your choices don't matter because everything is already decided by fate. 
So, Kreia learns to hate the Force. Now, she appreciates its power. She just hates that it appears to be making the choices for her, and that the Jedi think that they should simply follow the Force. She thinks this is an abomination. She detests it, but she doesn't deny it. This makes her incredibly complex. And she starts to think that maybe Revan didn't quote-unquote fall to the dark side. Maybe he just came to realize that the change Revan wanted to make was for the improvement of the galaxy. For example, if you help somebody out of a situation, like a fight, you may have cheapened their learning experience. They may be worse off for having been helped, which down the road may cost them their life because they lacked that learning experience of losing that fight. Or the lives of dozens. It could cost millions of lives. So the light side of the force can't always be right, but neither can the dark side because that gives just as much direction on what choice is always correct. Her internal goal is to destroy the force, but she admits that she might have to use it because she's kind of come to depend on it. So she rebuilds the Treyas Academy and becomes Darth Treya, the Lord of Betrayal. She seeks out wounds in the Force and finds two big ones. One is Darth Sion, the Lord of Pain, a being of pure anger whose body is literally being held together by hate. The other is Darth Nihilus, the Sith Lord of Hunger, who pretty much wants to see everything burn. The three of them become the Sith Triumvirate, and their army of Sith grows enormous. But their philosophies were simply too different, and Treya is betrayed for a second time. Sion and Nihilus crush her and strip her of the Force, leaving her broken and cut off, but not dead, feeling that that would be even more cruel. Sion and Nihilus more or less obliterate the Jedi galaxy-wide. Anyone that's left goes into hiding. And we've seen this a couple times on both sides. It's kind of their thing. You know how when threatened, a Kaminoan turtle will go into its shell and blend into the rocks for years? Force users are kind of like that. Treya, despite losing the Force, hasn't lost sight of the goal, though. It's not enough for her to lose the Force. She wants to eliminate the Force itself. And she's got a plan. She had a former apprentice named Mitra Surik. Surik followed Revan and became one of his generals. Surik had a really unique Force ability, which allowed her to bond easily with another Force user, sometimes making a very powerful Force bond between the two. Mitra saw the Revan thing going really badly, and before the end, she cut herself off from the Force, which is probably how she survived the mass shadow generator, but that's, that's a different lecture. Just know that you have Treya with no Force, and Mitra Surik with no Force, and Treya finds Surik. With me still? Treya is looking for Surik because she believes that through a bond with Surik, Treya can create an unending wound in the Force and silence it completely and permanently. Treya becomes Kreia, the Jedi teacher again. Kreia, the good version, starts working with Surik, building back up Surik's connection with the Force. It works really well. Too well, actually. The powerful Surik and her Force bond with 
Treya Kreia, becomes a concern for the remaining Jedi Masters. So when they say that Surik has become a wound in the Force already and needs to be destroyed before the Sith find them, well, Treya decides that she's done pretending. Mitra Surik is unconscious, and the Jedi Masters are stripping her of the Force, but Darth Treya, not Nice Teacher Kreia, shows up herself and turns the tables, draining all of the Masters of the Force. Also, it kills them. So we're definitely back to Darth Treya. Treya leaves her still powerful Jedi apprentice on Dantooine and heads over to Malachor V, intent on sacrificing herself in a ritual she's been preparing to silence the Force. Mitra Surik is on the hunt for her, though. Surik takes out Nihilus, then on her way to find Treya, also takes out Darth Sion, which is not an easy task because he's basically undead. But she convinces him to let go of his hate. And since his hate is pretty much holding his meat body together, well, I mean, that's it for him. Treya pulls out all of the stops against her apprentice, but it's no use. Surik takes off Treya's one remaining hand, and despite Treya controlling three lightsabers with her mind and sending them on an attack mission, not even that can win the day. Treya comes to grips with her death and in the most existentialist way possible gives Mitra a glimpse into the future where Surik's upcoming actions will have a tremendous effect on her path. Unfortunately, in the end, Treya came to realize that she could not escape the Force. She was mortally wounded and ended up becoming one with the living Force. Now, this part has always bothered me, but it really does cement the idea that the Force was pulling the strings for her the whole time. Darth Treya could have walked away halfway through this story without any connection to the Force, which would have been just great for her. But she wanted more, and her greed brought her back to the Force where she ended up passing on the Force to an apprentice, and eventually dying and passing into the Force itself, which is surely the one thing that she would have wanted to avoid. It is truly the tragedy of Darth Treya. Well, Todd, I guess at the end of the day, if I'm no longer as famous as I thought I was, at least my agent is gonna make sure that I'm still getting paid. I'm not sure if you knew this, but this is my first full-length hollow that I've done in a while. Everybody knows that, sir. Thank you, Todd. I think that's probably enough for today. Let's go back to the trailer and try to win some of yesterday's money back from those womp rats. Nobody has a sabak streak like that forever. I think the baby is cheating somehow. This concludes your selected lecture from the University of Coruscant. For all questions or to contact us, please visit theuniversityofcoruscant.com. Hi, this is Dr. Sonny Ravencourt, and the legal droids behind me... No, I'm not going to say your names. They want me to remind you that if you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe on iTunes and YouTube and leave a review or a comment. It helps us out tremendously, and it allows the university to continue to provide you the best in Star Wars history. Are you going to pay me for another take? Well, then I'm not going to do one. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. <laughs>